feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, more details coming in in the last few minutes about the Brooklyn subway shooting suspect, 62-year-old Frank James. And tonight on the show, we're going to talk about his lengthy rap sheet and some new details just coming in a few minutes ago because you probably heard at the police briefing, everybody around the world is talking about this case and that he is finally going to face justice, especially, again, as you look at some of his repeat offenses in the past, which include sex crimes and other violent crimes. Why was he walking the street? We're going to get into that tonight. But in the last few minutes, we're learning, according to multiple media outlets, that Frank James may have been the guy who called the Crime Stoppers on himself at the McDonald's in the Lower East Side of New York. There was a report that a, quote, tipster called in to the McDonald's, and that's what led police to go to the McDonald's. Then they show up at the McDonald's to bust this guy, and he's not there. Then they have an employee there who basically says, yeah, I saw him there. And then there was another guy on the street who at that point says, Oh, that looks like that that was the guy. I saw him walking down, and that's when authorities went after him at that point. But the initial call to the McDonald's, now multiple news organizations are reporting that, according to their sources, and they are law enforcement sources, that it was Frank James himself that called in the tip on himself to Crime Stoppers. So I want to get your reaction to this big development because when we heard at the press conference today, they said, well, there was a call into Crime Stoppers, and then they kind of quickly moved on. And they were applauding, of course, the great news that this guy has now been arrested. And the person who broke the news was Mayor Eric Adams. Take a listen. This is how it all went down. My fellow New Yorkers, we got it. We got it. And boy. I think you would have heard cheers across the world because everybody has been focused on this case of this guy who opened fire on a Brooklyn, New York subway station car. And you think about it. Here he was. He was sitting on the second car. He was in the corner and he opens fire. We know that he fired 33 rounds. Uh, Ten people, of course, shot. We're hearing about 19 people injured, including some kids. It's a horrible case. And I am thrilled, by the way, that they are throwing the book at this guy and that they're also doing federal charges because that, to me, is very significant. Hopefully that means that this guy will finally, finally stay behind bars because when you hear the guy's rap sheet, you're like, what the heck was he even doing out there? And now it is also interesting that we're finding that he may have been the person that called Crime Stoppers on himself. So why do you think he did that? 
Do you think he did it because he's just a deranged guy, which he clearly is, and we're going to get to that in a moment? I mean, some of the stuff that was out there about this guy is horrible, it's vile, it's disgusting. So there are so many issues regarding who he is, and I want to get your take on that. Did we miss, obviously, all the warning signs, or did law enforcement, or did, you know, judges who saw this guy... I mean, if I saw this guy for five seconds, I'd be like, the guy's loony kazoony, lock him up. And if you look at some of his social media postings, you're like, boy, is that guy a wacko. I mean, there is no gray that this guy is clearly a violent, horrible threat who talks about killing people and killing white people. I mean, some of the stuff is just so horrible when you see it. It's like, why was this guy ever seeing the light of day? So there's a lot of questions there. But now it turns out that he may have been the one who basically reported himself to Crime Stoppers. So I want to get your thoughts, because there could be two reasons for it. I've covered a lot of crime cases, guys. And so one thought on my mind was, maybe he is playing sort of cat and mouse with law enforcement. Maybe he thinks he is smarter than the next guy. And that's why he may have called Crime Stoppers, just to say, oh, and maybe who knows? Maybe he was going to do something terrible at the McDonald's. Maybe he wanted law enforcement to come to McDonald's and he was going to do something. I mean, who knows what sort of was the reason that he, quote, called the tip in. But then apparently he was just kind of walking away from the McDonald's and was there for a little bit where an employee actually saw him, too, and told police that, too. And then he's walking away and some guy says, oh, yeah, he's over there. He's about a block away. So he was just kind of casually walking down the street. So he could either be crazy like a fox and maybe he was planning something. Maybe that's what he was planning. Or is he just a nutty, crazy guy who was calling in and basically saying, come arrest me and made it just super easy for law enforcement. So there's a lot of questions here now tonight that we're hearing that he indeed may have called the cops. And there's a number of reports that he's like, hey, I'm the guy. I'm here. At uh, McDonald's, basically come get me. I mean, that this is wild. This story has so many twists and turns. And take a listen. This is Keyshawn Sewell. This is the New York City Police Commissioner, of course. And she said at the press con- conference, and if you listen to the verbiage, she basically said the walls were closing in on the guy. She didn't say he's the one who called Crime Stoppers. But she kind of alluded that maybe he felt like he was trapped or something, although he was walking down the street, so he maybe wasn't that trapped. But take a listen. We used every resource at our disposal to gather and process significant evidence that directly links Mr. James to the shooting. We were able to shrink his world quickly. There was nowhere left for him to run. And he wasn't running. He was just walking down the street, apparently, according to law enforcement. So, boy, I can't wait to hear from all of you as to what you think was the reason that he would have called the tip in on himself that led to McDonald's in New York. Remember, we didn't know what state he was in. We didn't know if he was even still in the country. We didn't even know if he was still anywhere near New York. We also are finding out that he was riding the subways for a little bit after the attack that he hopped onto an adjacent train, and then according to even police today, they were saying that they spotted him going out of another train station. They say the attack happened around 824. They said there was another video that sees him at 915 out of one of the other stations. 
So there's a lot of questions tonight, and I'm hoping that all of you can help me solve as to why this new development has some interesting twists in this case. The great news is at least this guy is behind bars, and at least now it looks like he is going to be hopefully there for the rest of his miserable life. And right now, law enforcement came out today and said because it was an attack that terrorized people and created violence on a on a system of mass transportation, that qualifies for a federal charge, that there are special special basically policies, if you will, and a special charge that can be attached when there is an attack of violence and a mass attack on a mass transportation system, which certainly the New York City subway qualifies for. So now they are throwing the book at this guy, thank goodness, because if you look at the track record with this guy and you look at the soft on crime approach that judges had with this guy prior to this moment, he never should have walked the streets. It would scare me if he was actually in the New York City system. As horrible as this case was, it would scare me that some of these soft on crime DAs may give this guy a pass. And thank goodness that right now the judge, whoever's going to see this, will be a federal judge. It is a federal case. And they are also saying that because he moved the gun over state lines, he bought it in Ohio years ago, he also got... The vehicle, the U-Haul van, he bought that or rented it rather from Philly and drove it from Philly to Brooklyn hours before he crossed state lines. So they can get him on a couple different ways. Thank goodness for the FBI that they stepped in here and also the great NYPD because they put a lot of the pieces together that went after this guy, too. And take a listen. I want you to hear this guy. And this is what he was posting, not secretly. He was putting this on social media, and he had been doing these horrible, just nasty rants on social media since 2013. He's been doing this for a while and leading up to even just the last few days, talking about violence, anger, wanting to kill people, just horrible, like sort of black racial. it, it It is just disgusting. Here's a little bit of it. We had to bleep a whole bunch out, but here is just something just to give you a taste of this guy's deranged mind. And so what I want to suggest in this video is that we should not embrace, we should not accept the white devil blood that we have in us because of the way that it was forced upon us. We should try to find a way, just like Demi did in the, the, that scene from Exodus, to uh, reject that devil that's in us, even to the point of, of committing suicide, so to speak. And yeah, we'd have to commit a, a form of suicide. We'd have to kill. We'd have to kill ourselves in terms of we'd have to kill um, who we are right now. We'd have to. We'd have to sum, submerge again. Do a factory research, a reset on our whole humanity, and rehabilitate our humanity and cleanse it out. Wow. And that's just some of the horrible stuff that he was talking about. Here's a little bit more because he talked about how at one point, um, you know, he's concerned about homelessness. He was apparently living in an apartment in Philly at the time now. And they went through that and they went through a storage locker. And he was also saying he just wanted to kill people and kill different races. Take a listen. Oh, well, you know, we're all human beings, bunch of bull****. And how color doesn't really matter. You know, that's bullshit also. Yes, color does matter. There's a reason why you have white people and black people on, on the planet. 
There's reasons we have uh, uh, so-called yellow people and, 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 and brown and red people on the planet. There's a reason for that. It is, there's a reason, a reason in nature. It has nothing to do with what goes on in our fucking heads. Nature has determined that we should separate out, and we have done that. The only reason we're together, blacks and whites, is by force. It's not by choice. Wow. Really horrible. And that's just the milder stuff that's out there that this guy was posting up until a few days ago. And they said, law enforcement, he was on our radar. He was known to New York. He was known to New Jersey. He had ties to a whole bunch of different states, but he had nine priors in New York. He had three in New Jersey alone. And the list goes on and on. And you wonder, why was this guy even out there? What the heck was he even doing out on the streets? And why do you think he was calling the McDonald's, calling from there to say, hey, I'm here, everybody. Crime Stoppers, I'm here. What do you think, everyone? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Jimmy, who's on line seven. Jimmy, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What do you make of this new development, Jimmy, that he was the one calling the tip line? Well, maybe he just wants the attention, but I think there's something else we have to look at. This Remember, there was an attorney years ago, Bill Kunstler, a communist attorney. He kept promoting the idea of black rage, justified hatred against white people. You have city councilman Charles Barron who said that black people should just walk up to white people and hit them. So there is this radical Marxist movement to agitate blacks to hate whites, to hate America. This is massive stuff. This guy is just one, one, one example of it. So this is a very serious situation. There are people who want to divide us racially, sexually, politically, ideologically. So this guy is, uh, in a way, in a way you could say he's a victim of the agitation and propaganda that's being pushed among people, particularly black people, against America and against white people. So this is a very serious situation. But you know what's interesting, I mean, Jimmy? If you two things. First off, the guy is clearly deranged too, and and sort of feeding into that narrative, if you will. The other thing is, on the flip side, if you listen to our president and even the uh, Homeland Security Secretary the other day, he said the biggest threat to America is white supremacy. You know, and then yet we've got this guy who did the worst attack on a U.S., you know, on, on a New York City subway. And boy, uh, it's this stuff is, is horrible. I mean, and when you've got a deranged mind like this uh, and, and you've got somebody who clearly if this guy is so blatant as he seems all over his social media, seems like he's clearly nuts, clearly violent, has a violent background. Why was he walking the streets? We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Some big news just coming in that according to the New York Post, he actually called the tip in himself on himself at the McDonald's. We are talking about the Brooklyn, New York subway shooting suspect. And according to authorities, he actually said, hey, I believe that you are looking for me. Um, The AP also confirming now, too, the two law enforcement uh, officials are telling the AP that the suspect called police 
to say, hey, I can be found at a McDonald's in Manhattan's East Village neighborhood. Isn't that interesting that he was calling and saying, you're looking for me. The Post is saying, hey, we really need to talk. We need to clear things up. Boy, twists and turns with this case. And, of course, the bust came down when Mayor Eric Adams announced it to everybody. Here is the mayor just a little bit ago talking about when the arrest was made because, boy, did that breathe the sigh of relief to everybody across this country. 33 shots, but less than 30 hours later, we're able to say we got it. Thank you, Commissioner, for your leadership and job well done. Job well done. And listen, there is no better police force in the world than the NYPD. But this guy sounds like he was a walking neon sign for violence. And if you look at his background and you look at all the repeat offenses he had in New York and New Jersey and then his rantings on social media, this guy clearly was a dangerous to society. And who let him out before this and why? There's a lot that needs to be answered for, guys. And here is a little bit of this loony kazoonie talking on social media. Take a listen. And I tell the American Negro this, I keep telling you the same thing. White people and black people, as we call ourselves, should not have any contact with each other. You still refuse to understand this. Wow, that is from his social media pages, Frank James. And again, posting for a whole bunch of times, going on and on and on in some of the most recent posts a few days ago. Why do you think he called the tip-in on himself to the McDonald's and then authorities went there and he was found right around the corner from that location? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Greg on line seven. Greg, why do you think he did this? I think he did it for the $50,000 reward. Oh, so he gets it. By the way, Greg, I got a good feeling he's not getting a dime. That day, you know, sneaky suspicion. What do you think, Greg? Some lawyer, there's probably a thousand lawyers trying to give, uh, uh, you know, give this guy his card or their cars. That's what I think. Oh, gosh. By the way, Greg, and thank you for the call, but I hope to gosh that nobody uh, is going to be like ambulance chasing after this guy because if he's he's all over the place on his own social media. He clearly is a heinous, horrible individual. There are so many ways that uh, obviously the NYPD was able to pinpoint him, you know, from the key to the rental van to the black box that he was carrying that they see in the video. Um, There are so many ways that I think they got him six ways to Sunday. And then he's calling up on the phone saying, hey, I'm at McDonald's. I, I mean, I hope that nobody is going to do anything that's going to help this guy see the light of day. Let's go to Eric on line six. Eric, your thoughts. Hey, hello again, Rita. Can you hear me? Yep, I Um, hear you well. What do you think of the fact? Isn't that wild, Eric, that he called on himself? Well, I I think he was to be on help some years ago. He could have, it didn't have to get to this point. You know, like people can't do their jobs. The cops are second guessing themselves. Like if I do my job, you know, with no intention of harming somebody, I could be called a racist, you know, just for doing his job. Um, but I think I think he definitely – but he was – it doesn't sound like he was armed when he called in. Um, and uh, I think he maybe was leaving 
McDonald's, so he nobody would get hurt by the cops. Nobody would get hurt at all. I don't know. Maybe he heard over the radio that nobody, nobody would get hurt. Shot. Eric, this I, is I, a guy. I, wait a minute, Eric. This is a guy who opens fire on a crowded subway train at rush hour. He has clearly no caring for life at that moment. He puts on a gas mask. He's planning it all, which is why, you know, for him to say, oh, I've got some mental instability or whatever. Yeah, obviously he's deranged, but there was calculus. There was planning. There was intent. And if all those things are going to look really bad for any case that he's going to try to say that I snapped, he didn't snap. He planned it. He rented the vehicle. So this is a guy I have a really hard time feeling like, oh, you know, he didn't mean to hurt anybody. He absolutely did. He planned this. He got the gun years before. He rented the van and he opened fire. Shame on this man. And I hope he doesn't see the light of day. Uh, But it is odd that he was calling. It just shows that he's a loony kazoony. And maybe he was playing a game of cat and mouse with authorities. I can't wait to hear more of your thoughts, everybody, after the break. And also former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer coming up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, where we honor our great men and women in law enforcement. First of all, I want to give a big shout out to the NYPD for their amazing work, because they did piece so many of these things together in the case that led up to the arrest of 62-year-old Frank James, who is now charged with one basically federal charge tied to a violent action for opening on mass transit. And that, of course, is opening on the subway in Brooklyn, New York. And we're going to talk more about that case and take calls in a moment. But bravo to the great NYPD. Also, ATF was a part of it. Uh, Also, FBI and a number of other agencies. Bravo to all our great law enforcement officers. You guys are the best. I also want to give a shout out uh, to another little story. And this one comes from a North Carolina school district where a school resource officer jumped into action when a student began choking on a piece of candy in the hallway. Now, a video that was obtained by the Iredell County Sheriff's Office in North Carolina. By the way, that's just outside of Charlotte because I used to work at WBTV in Charlotte, so I know exactly where that is. And the video shows Deputy Alan Josie attending to a seventh grader at a middle school after she showed dramatic signs of respiratory distress. Deputy Josie quickly realized that the girl was choking and performed the Heimlich maneuver, potentially saving her life. By the way, prior to becoming a police officer, Deputy Josie spent eight years in the U.S. Army Reserve as a combat medic. So boy, was the deputy there at the right time. Time. And again, bravo to our great men and women in law enforcement. And in just a second, we're going to have joining us here on the show, former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer, 
who I think is one of the best law enforcement guys out there to get his take on the arrest and all the details that we're learning about the New York subway shooter who, thank goodness, has been apprehended. And it happened just a few hours ago. Here is current NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell describing the arrest. Moments ago, Frank Robert James was stopped on the street and arrested by members of the New York City Police Department. Officers, in response to a Crime Stoppers tip, stopped Mr. James at 1.42 p.m. at the corner of St. Mark's Place and First Avenue in Manhattan. He was taken into custody without incident and has been transported to an NYPD facility. He will be charged with committing yesterday's appalling crime in Brooklyn. And joining us now to talk about the bust of the Brooklyn subway shooting suspect is former New York City Police Commissioner Howard Safer. Commissioner Safer, first your reaction to this guy getting arrested, thank goodness. Well, there's no question in my mind that he would be. He's not a, certainly not a master criminal. He left a tremendous amount of evidence to identify him at the scene. And you know, the NYPD and the feds were looking for him, and uh, a citizen saw him and, you know, he got arrested. What is your reaction, though? You know, like you said, he doesn't seem like the smartest guy. On the other hand, it seems like this was quite well planned. They had the construction vest on, the helmet on, um, and now we're learning he was so brazen, he was even riding the subways even after the shooting. Yeah, well, you know, it was definitely premeditated, and, you know, this is somebody who obviously had an agenda and has been uh, burning inside him for a long time. I, when you look at all his social media postings, and he had actually been interviewed by the FBI before, and uh, they cleared him. And, uh, you know, thank God he's off the street. Uh, thank God that uh, Glock jammed. Would it be a lot more people hurt? Yeah, absolutely. It's incredible because they said there were still several magazines that were found at the scene. Um, Commissioner Safer, what do you make of the fact also it is a federal charge? Um, it is a terrorist act on mass transit that he's being charged with, which could potentially be life behind bars. Well, I think it's great because I would much rather see him in federal court where he's not going to be let loose on a low bail law like in New York State or New York City. So I'm very happy that they're charging him federally and he'll be prosecuted and hopefully go away for a very long time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you bring up the point about the, uh, you know, the no cash bail and all the problems that we've seen and the, the soft on crime DAs. We look at this guy's background. He had nine prior arrests in New York City and he had three priors in New Jersey. Those are just, you know, 12 of, of maybe others. Um, what's sure. your reaction? Because, you know, you you and, and I know when you were, you know, in, you know, the NYPD, you very much espouse the broken windows theory of sort of it. To me, he's almost like a classic case if you look at his background. Well, you know, he's he's obviously uh, has benefited from the re revolving door justice system that we've evolved into. You know, uh, Mayor Adams has uh, eight years of de Blasio to undo, and that's going to take a while. Because for eight years, we had a liberal leftist mayor who espoused the rights of victims of criminals, not of victims. Yeah, absolutely. You know, speaking, by the way, of politics, um, we did see a number of New York politicians come out right afterwards. And they sort of went after the whole, you know, gun issue, gun issue. I haven't yet heard them talk about bail reform. 
Um, do you still see this sort of falling along political lines? Because, my goodness, uh, you know, protection of citizens should be first and foremost, Commissioner Safer. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, this whole thing about guns is, is a bit of a red herring. There are 350 million guns in the United States out there now. Uh, we should be worrying about getting those guns off the street, and we should be worrying about prosecuting the people who have those guns and use those guns in crimes. And unfortunately, the politicians in New York uh, just don't get it. They don't They don't understand that what we need to do is we need to prosecute every crime that takes place. That's why broken windows worked, because criminals knew that there was absolutely a certainty if they committed a crime, they were going to get arrested. And that's why we reduced crime by over 40 percent when I was commissioner, and it continued under Commissioner Kelly. And, of course, once de Blasio came in, it all changed. Yeah, boy, did it change. And also the cutting back of police, uh, the defunding of the department, that has certainly hurt, too, as well. Um, real quick, also, we're finding that the cameras, at least some of them, did not work in the subway, too. After all this money sort of poured into the subway in New York, uh, what's your reaction to that, that we don't have enough cops, we don't have working cameras? My goodness. Well, it's not surprising to me. I mean, I remember, and this is a while ago, I remember there was a big lawsuit against one of the major integrators who had a $600 million uh, contract with the MTA, and they asked my company at the time to look into it, and we found that there was an incredibly bad technology and malfeasance on the part of that company at the time, which resulted in the big federal lawsuit. Uh, it doesn't sound like things have much improved. Yeah, no, unfortunately, and hopefully this will be an enormous wake-up call for some of the improvements that New Yorkers and citizens around America deserve. Former New York City Police Commissioner, a, a great one, Howard Safer, thank you so much for being here on the show. Good to be with you, Ruth. And everybody, what do you make? I love that Howard just told us all that because it is a federal charge, that he will be most likely locked up for the rest of his life. Thank goodness he's not going before Alvin Bragg. Alvin Bragg would say, oh, what you did wasn't so bad. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Boy, Alvin Bragg, if you looked at his background, you look at this guy, and I don't know which DAs, you know, were in his place at the time, but you look at the background of this guy, nine prior arrests, in New York City from 92 to 98. Then he also had three arrests in New Jersey, 91, 92, and 2007. They include larceny, disorderly conduct, a sex crime, um, a number of other things that definitely show a pattern of violence. And if you looked at the guy's social media, which seems to have been occurring a lot during this time, and also if you look at some of the evidence, and look at this guy, there's clearly a history here. This guy clearly had a rap sheet. These are just the ones that they know about right now. So what was he even doing walking free? And again, now this new report that he actually called the tip in on himself, said, I am at McDonald's, basically, come get me, guys. This is wild. one 800 848 Eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Dino on line five. Dino, what do you make of the fact that now multiple news organizations are just reporting the last few hours that he was the guy who called the Crime Stoppers tip on himself? Rita, 
this gentleman had issues way back probably in his high school days. He never had attention paid to him. From what I see, he's a slob. He probably couldn't even get a girlfriend. This is the only way he got attention. And believe it or not, a sick individual like him, he, he loves this. He loves it. That's, he turned himself in because he had no choice. He knew he was going to get him. He just needed the attention. Now, let me let me ask you, though, Dino, I want to ask you, why didn't he get the attention of law enforcement and judges prior to this? And And specifically judges, because if you look at the fact that he kept coming up and one of the things that you just heard me ask Howard Safer, because Howard and, of course, Bill Bratton um, and a number of others have espoused and Ray Kelly, um, all, you know, all really, really great New York City police commissioners. Um, have come through and said, we believe in broken windows. We believe that if somebody has committed a smaller offense, I mean, a sex crime I don't think is a smaller offense, but some of these are trespassing, larceny, disorderly conduct, things like that, Um, that once when you see that someone keeps doing it and keeps doing it and then it kind of ups the ante and gets to something else, and again, these include a sex crime and some other things, don't you kind of go, well, maybe this person is a threat to society. Uh, burglary is another one. Um, theft of service. Uh, there was an, a warrant. There was criminal tampering. There's a couple things that you kind of go, well, how many breaks does this person need to get till maybe we need to have them on our radar? Maybe this guy should have served some time. Um, maybe we should at least focus on him and make sure that, you know, it, it doesn't seem like seems like if you stopped him on the street, he'd probably start saying the same stuff that he was ranting on social media. Why didn't he get the attention of judges, Dino, too? Because too much lawlessness is happening out there. Too many criminals. You just can't put your radar on one who was to ever even even judges or whatnot. Uh, <clears throat> And prosecutors would ever think he would do that? Hey, you know what? Give him a pass. Give him a pass. But his mind was demented, and this is his attention. Like I said, he probably never had a girlfriend in his life. He's a slob, and this is what he had to do to somebody or pe- many people in the subway. I'm going to tell you something. I'm like Curtis Lewa. He's lucky I wasn't on the subway. I'm so not afraid. Oh, yeah. By the way, by the way, you're absolutely right, because there's a lot of people that would have uh, made sure that uh, he got much worse than life in prison. I mean, this guy, you know, it just terrorized people, though, because when people are on the subway and they're in the middle of that situation, Dino, too, um, you know, it's frightening. You know, you're boxed in. You don't expect. In fact, there's a report that he put on. He was sitting there in the corner mumbling um, and looking like a slob like you're talking about. Um, and then he suddenly puts a gas mask on and throws a canister. And there was a report that somebody said, hey, buddy, what are you doing, basically? Like, like this kind of, like, do you realize what you're doing? And then he opened another canister, and that's when they realized, oh, my gosh, this guy, like, is, is about to do. But, but for a while, people said they saw him mumbling in that second car of the end train and were just sort of sitting in the corner mumbling. I've been on the subway many a time, Dino. And I don't think I've ever been on the subway where there wasn't about 10 people mumbling to themselves. And that's sad. But that's that's a sign of the horrible quality of life that's happening. And you don't expect that mumbler to suddenly get up and do this horrible, horrible thing. And and I agree. There, there's something obviously clearly psychologically at the end. 
Um, and there are reports that he was just sort of strolling away from the McDonald's. It wasn't like he was running or hiding. Um, you know, so you're right. He was seeking attention, but boy, at the expense of society and the expense of these poor victims on the train. And this is outrageous. This is why somebody like this, when you know somebody is so deranged and you know somebody has a repeat rap, you know, rap record, as we're seeing here, clearly, you know, it's atrocious that this guy was released over and over again. I bet you he was kind of mumbling, bumbling before a judge. Don't you think a judge should have said, well, maybe we should worry about this guy being an issue to society. Maybe they should have taken a look at some of his social media rants. You spend one second on there, you're like, lock him up. You know, at what point do we say, oh, gosh, we got to stop feeling sorry for somebody who needs attention and worry about the attention and the lives of citizens? Dino, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Mary Beth, who's on line four. Mary Beth, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. First of all, um, congratulations and thanks to the NYPD for their hard work Absolutely. and their help. And to the FBI for getting involved and making this almost a slam dunk case that this man will be going away for good. Um, Rita, I'm, I firmly believe that if he called the police to say where he was, this man believes he's powerful. He's gotten away with a lot of crimes before. And I think he was going to play cat and mouse with him, with them and go from place to place. And if they got too close to him, he was going to take a pedestrian as a shield. Oh, that's this interesting. Guy, that's interesting. You know, I wondered that too, Mary Beth. Why do you think that? I think that because he has so much hatred inside of him that hatred rules his thought patterns. And... I think he thought to himself, I've gotten away with so much. Hey, I'm going to call them and let them know where I am, but I'll leave before they get here. And he was kind of strolling along. Are they there? Are they coming? If they got too close to him, I swear he would grab someone on the street and hold that person in front of him. Wow. That, that's an interesting. I, I was wondering sort of the same thing, like what is going on in his mind or or did he have like a crazy you know, suicide by cop wish. I mean, sometimes, you know, or was there something else he had planned? You know, one of the things that I thought about, guys, and I covered the Oklahoma City bombing. And last night, uh, when there were reports that he had gasoline and he had a van and he had a number of other items, and you had to wonder, was he plotting, planning something else, even more sinister, beyond what this horrible act that he did? I mean, who knows? You know, was he planning something? I mean, there's There's a lot of things you wonder what goes on in someone's mind, first of all, to do the horrible act he did and then to, you know, call it in on himself, knowing cops, of course, were going to come and and follow up with that. Um, Really interesting, Mary Beth. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. Lots of big developments coming in just in the last few hours on the Brooklyn subway shooter suspect case, calling in the tip himself. And we're going to talk about why you think that happened and why was he walking the streets with his long rap sheet to begin with. Thank God the FBI got him because the feds, they're not going to be like Alvin Bragg and George Gascon. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show.
Well, he has got us all working day and night, and thank goodness this guy has been caught. We're talking about the Brooklyn subway shooter, Frank James, who opened fire on that subway car, the N train. And now we're also hearing reports, as we heard from authorities a little bit ago, that after he opened fire, that horrible attack that injured many people and shot, by the way, including 10 people. And a number of the injuries, by the way, even include some kids because they were going to school at the time and they were on the bus. I mean, everybody, everybody taking the subway at that time. You know, it's around 830 in the morning yesterday, as we know. And now there are reports that he hopped on after the attack. He hopped on an adjacent train. And then there are reports that they also saw him at another subway station. So what we're trying to figure out is where was he between the attack exactly and then when they actually arrested him, you know, a little over a day later. People still don't know. We still haven't heard tonight. Where did he spend the night? Did somebody help him? I hope to God not. But did somebody help him? Um, Who else did he know? What else did he do? Where else did he go? Was he spending the time, we know, for at least a little bit on the subway? Was he there the whole time? Was he sleeping on the train? Did he sleep somewhere else? Does he have someone helping him? There's a lot of questions still tonight. And I want to get your thoughts on all of this. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael on line three. Michael, what are your thoughts about this guy who now, thank goodness, is arrested and it's federal charges? Well, I wanted to offer a, a possible answer to your question. You know, what? What? how do you explain some of his uh, behavior? Um, I think what we're looking at is, and, and this is true of uh, a lot of people, uh, many people who are down and out or they have inferiority or rage or whatever, in many ways, unconsciously, there's a death wish. They really want to stop, but they can't. So what they do is they exhibit behavior, which in many ways can lead others to finally stop them. I believe based on some of the behaviors that he did, for instance, you know, his, uh, he was very vocal about uh, the Internet site, uh, you know, in terms of his hatred and so on. And then how does that guy leave a U-Haul truck key at the exact place of the crime where obviously his name is linked with the U-Haul? And then you, what you mentioned, the tip study that he himself called, I believe that is in many ways a death wish where he would like to be caught and somehow end this uh, tremendous spree of terrible behavior. But it's unconscious to him, not that he realizes that. And that's a real psychological force. But, uh, but you know what? A lot. You know what's interesting, Michael? Are you a psychologist, by the way, yes. Michael? Okay, that's what yes. I thought, because you obviously have a, a great you know, awareness and perception here. What are your thoughts also, Michael, in terms of that personality that you said, you know, was calling um, and yet um, clearly a deranged somebody with mental issues? There's no doubt about it. Um, But then on the other hand, he was clearly lucid enough to go rent a vehicle in Philadelphia where he's where he also was from. He's from the Bronx originally, but was living apparently had an apartment, at least in Philly. And then rented the vehicle, drove four hours, had the gas mask, had the gas, you know, the gas uh, canisters, you know, very still planned and plotted. Uh, is it the same personality real quick, Michael? Yes. We're not looking here at a person who's psychotic, where he is deranged in the sense that he's taking leave of reality. No, he's basically a, uh, a uh, let's call him neurotic, where he's, you know, he's functional. 
and uh, he's in contact with some of his feelings. But after a while, deep down, there is a desire to stop because he cannot tolerate the insecurity and the rage and the constant movement from place to place. There's no stability. Wow, so what Michael, is- Michael, that is really, really powerful. I'm sorry I got to cut you off because we just have a hard break here. But boy, thank you for the call. That was really fascinating. And it takes us into the mind of this deadly suspect. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is The Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweeter. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, more details coming in just a little bit ago from a number of other law enforcement sources telling other news organizations that indeed the Brooklyn shooting suspect who opened fire on that Brooklyn subway train yesterday, Frank James, that he called the Crime Stoppers tip on him Self, a few hours ago, that he was basically the guy who told cops where he was. Now, this is the announcement just a little bit ago from the U.S. Attorney's Office announcing the charges against him. Take a listen. Today, uh, Frank James has been charged by complaint in Brooklyn Federal Court with one count of violating 18 U.S.C. sections 1992A7 and B1 which prohibits terrorist and other violent attacks against mass transportation systems. And listen to these stunning details that we're just getting here. And this is coming from the New York Post that they say that he indeed called Crime Stoppers on himself Wednesday morning. Then he calmly went for an afternoon stroll through the East Village while he waited for police to come and get him. And listen to the conversation that's being quoted by law enforcement sources to the New York Post. They say that a call came into Crime Stoppers and the guy says, you know, I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news and I'll be around this McDonald's. I want to clear things up. And the unit then responds and he's not at the McDonald's. So they start driving around And then they see a man who fits the description. They take him into custody and they find that he has a Wisconsin's driver's license. And apparently he was just sort of sauntering through the East Village, according to the New York Post, after he made that bizarre call on himself. And they say that he briefly sat down at an outdoor dining shed and charged his phone at a Link NYC hub. Wow, this is just getting wilder and wilder. And then, of course, after he left the McDonald's, when law enforcement go to the McDonald's and they don't see him there, then apparently they kind of go around the area. They're looking for him. And at least one individual says that he told authorities, I just saw the bizarre guy. I just saw the Brooklyn subway shooter basically just walk right by me. And listen to this guy who describes what he told police And then they were finally able to apprehend the guy who's just walking down the street. What happened is I was working inside that store. I do security cameras. 
And I was watching the street, like how I see how the camera looked, like we was doing the adjustment. And I see this guy, he did the problem. And I was two, two days, I don't sleep when I see the people die like this from this guy and nobody catch him. Look how many people have in New York, nobody catch him. Like I was working inside the store and I catch him. That's good, something from the God. That's good, something from the God and we catch him because we don't have to like kill more people. You know, and he was walking in the, in the sidewalk here, and I see the people walking behind him, and he have like bag, small bag. I don't know what he have inside. He bought it in the floor. I was thinking he's gonna do something here. I told the people, listen, guys, stop, stop, like please stop. Don't come to this guy. Like maybe he's gonna do something. I I see the police. I told the police. I told him this guy. He did the problem. The problem. Catch him, guys. And he looked. Oh, great. Oh, thank you. And he got him like this and he take him the car and now we are here and thank God. Wow. Thank God that the NYPD finally got this guy. But how bizarre that he was actually calling the tip in on himself saying, I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news and I'll be around this McDonald's. I want to clear things up. What do you make of that, that now we're finding out the Brooklyn subway shooter, who the whole world was looking for, his picture was everywhere at that point, and everybody was looking for this guy. Remember, he was a person of interest, and then they changed it to a suspect. And he basically called and said, hey, come and get me, law enforcement. He's just sauntering around after that. What is going on in the mind of this individual? And what do you make of the fact that he had so many prior arrests, We're going to take your calls on that. And by the way, also later on in the hour, uh, Governor Abbott of Texas taking the border into his own hands. Remember, he said that he was going to ship migrants who crossed into his state of Texas and he was going to put them on a bus and bring them to the nation's capital to basically bring the border to President Biden and other Democratic lawmakers there to say, hey, We don't want them in Texas anymore. They're killing us in Texas. We're being overloaded. We are being flooded in Texas and basically bringing the border to them in Washington, D.C. Well, he made good on his promise and brought up at least one bus today. So later on in the hour, in about 20 minutes or so, I'm going to take your calls on that. What do you make of the fact that now Texas is finally putting them on a bus and saying, hey, you want to go to D.C.? What message does that send, and could this be a sign of other states doing the same thing as many people are worried about Title 42 being lifted? But let's talk about this guy, Frank James, whose rap sheet is a mile long. And by the way, the gun that was left behind, that 9-millimeter gun that was left behind, and, and thank goodness it jammed because there were other magazines that were full of bullets, That were not used. We do know that there were 33 shell casings that were found. So this guy was clearly an enormous danger. And it is just it's a it's a blessing that that gun jammed and that he finally just got off the car and left. Um, Because you think about how uh, how it could have been sadly much, much worse, even though it obviously was horrible what happened. But if you look at the background, how did he get the gun? Uh, Well, they said today that he got the gun. About 16 years ago, or at least quite a bit uh, a time ago, actually back, forgive me, actually, it was in 2011. They had to trace it back to a whole bunch of different lines, the gun itself. But he actually bought the gun himself 
at a pawn shop in 2011 in Ohio. So it opens up a lot of questions on that as well. Here's a guy with a gun. He had a criminal record. And we're going to talk about that as well. And boy, was his criminal record quite telling. And boy, was the rhetoric on his social media just unbelievable. I want to play a little bit of his social media, too, because this is just shocking. Um, This is Cut 24, where Frank James was just not that long ago on his own social media just saying the most vile, racist, horrible stuff and threatening death to a lot of people. Take a listen. We were kings and, and, and talking about how we were, we were Af- moving over in Africa. We were kings and we ruled kingdoms. I understand the, what, the, what that's about. And it's just to, to help to elevate us because we've been brought down so low. We need to, we need to be, need, we need uh, thoughts and affirmations that'll, that'll bring us up from our, uh, you know, downtrodden condition. And to say to imagine yourself being a king, of course, of course, that's going to raise you up. That's going to make you feel better about yourself and your condition. And, but that's just a step. You know, that's just a step. Now we have to take the next step. And we're not doing that. We're staying stuck on this this, this step, the really childish step of talking when we were f***ing kings. Right? And no, we were not kings. So-called African-Americans, American Negroes, were never kings. Now, I'm not saying that we, uh, you may not have some royal blood in you. I'm not saying that. You just might. But that royal blood mixed with European blood disqualifies you from talk about being a king. Wow, what a demented mind. And thank goodness he is locked up now, hopefully for the rest of his life. Let's go to your calls, everybody, about all these new developments coming in tied to the man you just heard there, the deranged man, Frank James, 62 years old, now facing terror-related charges that could put him away for life. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joel on line one. Uh, Joel, your thoughts about this? Hi, yes. Um, I I have a feeling that he just wanted to go out kind of like in a blaze of glory, so to speak. But I also think he deserves his middle name, Frank Robert James, kind of along the lines of all the other killers in the past that have gotten them, like, for instance, Mark John, David Chapman. John Wilkes Booth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And when, But when Mark David Chapman shot John Lynn, what did he do? After he, he shot him, he sat down his thirty-eight caliber revolver, and then he pulled out a copy of Catch a Ride. He was obsessed with the book, right? And I think in, in retrospect, what is filtering through uh, Frank Robert James' mind is all of the... Uh, what would you say uh, the, the type of attitudes where you have a? Uh, I'm trying to find the word. Sorry. What um, a compartmentalized, or what do you mean? No, 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 no. Not compartmentalized, but a victimization. Like he's living off a victimization ideal that just fits right into the Democrats' playbook. But also going all the way back to crazy people like Charles Manson, who wanted to incite race wars. So he's just buying in all this crap, and I think that's really what it amounted to. And in the end, I, I'm convinced that he—I don't think he wanted to go out shooting other people or using human shields because I was actually down in that area. Oh, you were. Oh, wow. So, yeah, no, I, so well, wait, was, where were you, Joel? Tell us wh- where were you and what did you see? Well, I, I'm—I was rehearsing a play, a theater for the new city, and um, I, I got—I went out during a little break I had, and I went over to where the where he was taken, which was in front of 
the First Avenue wine store, uh, liquor, wines and liquors. And I, I spoke to a woman who sold one of her photos to the AP. She happened to be a press photographer there at the time. And she showed me pictures of him. He obviously was getting zero resistance, just like Chapman did as well when the police took him away. You know? And what, what, do, you, what do you doing... make of that? that because, listen, it, it, now we're learning um, in the last few hours that he actually called Crime Stoppers and said, I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news. I'll be around. I want to clear things up. Uh, I mean, what do you make of all that sort of that mindset and what was going on in his mind? Also, having sort of seen those images and being there, Joel. I think that he just wanted to be a legend in his own mind, so to speak. And much the way, like, for instance, Chapman, when he went away, he was given the opportunity to go for a not guilty by reason of sanity plea. He disregarded that and took the 20 years to life on a secondary degree murder because I think he wanted to be known as his right mind for what he was doing. And I think much the same way Frank Robert James is along those same lines. He wants to be known as his right mind. I don't think he's going to go for an insanity plea. I think he's going to be, you know, he's he's going to go down for it. Well, and and you know, you know, the problem is too, Joel, that and you have to and Joel, thank you for the call. That was really interesting. But the the problem he's going to have, um, you know, as someone who's covered a lot of cases, I can say, there was so much pre-planning, and I brought up the fact that, you know, he rented the vehicle. He brought, you know, the this box, this, you know, he got the vest. You know, he got the, the orange vest that we've all sort of seen, and he had the helmet on and dressing like he's an MTA guy. There was a lot of planning there. Um, they also said that when he they went back to his apartment in Philly and a storage locker that they found ammo and they found a whole bunch of, they found weapons, um, so this was a guy who was sort of thinking in his mind, violent, planning. It wasn't, he can't say suddenly something snapped. He calculated and had to think that out. Um, and that is going to make any sort of case, even if he tried to go the insanity route, um, which you're right, who knows if he's going to. I mean, clearly he's nuts, but but he clearly was calculated and the pre-planning. Um, and now the fact that he's actually calling authorities, I mean, that is wild. That he actually called, according to many sources, saying now that he is the guy who called Crime Stoppers and that he actually said, I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news. I'm going to be around the McDonald's. I want to clear things up. And as you just heard from Joel, um, that he was just kind of sauntering around, just kind of casually walking around. This is wild. Um, We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And it looks like it was it when he called in to the McDonald's. Isn't this wild? We're now hearing that the Brooklyn suspect, this is Frank James, who's now been arrested, thank goodness. This is the guy who opened fire horribly on that New York subway car, has been arrested. And we're just learning in the last few hours that he called the tip in on himself um, and said, basically, I understand you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news. I'll be around this McDonald's. I want to clear things up, according to the New York Post. What a bizarre twist in this case that he was the tipster on himself 
And this guy had a lot of things in his background. I want to play. This is uh, one of the NYPD chiefs. This is Chief Essig talking about some of the arrests just in New York alone of this guy, some of the priors that he had. Take a listen. His arrest history in New York is nine prior arrests dating from 1992 to 1998. And then there's some in New Jersey, too. He has three arrests in New Jersey. 1991, 1992, and 2007. Wow. So what was he doing walking the streets, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to LQ on line two. LQ, your thoughts about this? Uh, yes. Uh, God's mercy on all in uh, uh, blessed and happy uh Easter and uh, Passover to everyone, but beautiful. Uh, you too, LQ. It, beautiful. If he, you know, if he uh, was sold, whoever sold him this uh, this gun uh, years ago, without really checking uh, his that he had a record, uh, they're responsible. So all the, the uh, MTA people that uh, if they are un, uh, not humble to admit that they made a mistake with the. Um, but the cameras and a uh, long time MTA and politicians. By the and, way, uh, LQ, they, you are bringing up. Thank you for the call, LQ. You're bringing up some great points because you're right. First of all, the fact that those cameras weren't working. We know that it sounds like maybe some other ones because they obviously have these images. Um, but a lot of them were not working. And you're right. That's a huge issue. And on the gun thing, this is interesting because I wondered the same thing to LQ. Like who sold him the gun? How did this happen? It looks like he bought it legally. That's what they said, um, because he got it from a legal licensee, a firearms licensee. It was a pawn shop, I think, in Ohio, and he got it in 2011. And he was allowed to have it because they said he did not have any felonies on his record at that time. Now, what I'm curious about is some of these other things that he was charged for, including it looks like sex offenses and other things. Um, maybe they were labeled as misdemeanors or maybe uh, usually a sex crime typically depends what it is. Um, maybe it was a felony and got reduced to a misdemeanor as we've been talking about soft on crime judges and others. So we got to find out the background, but because it wasn't technically a felony in his background, only a felony would have prohibited it, um, from him not getting the gun. So uh, there's a lot of questions here as to why they were just, quote, misdemeanors, some of these offenses. Let's go to Alice in Cincinnati, who's on line eight. Go ahead, Alice. Your thoughts about this guy now Hi, calling Rita. in. Isn't this wild, Alice, that he called in on himself? Yes, it is. And maybe he wants the attention. Maybe he wanted to be caught. He thinks he's right. But I also, I thank God, we don't understand why he did it because we'd be just like him. Great point. Alice, by the way, thank you. That's a great point because you're right. Um, You're right. We don't want to be like this guy. Um, There's clearly something demented and and twisted to do what he did. Uh, But it it just continues by that call. You're you're absolutely right. My goodness. Let's go to Judith in Virginia on line six. Go ahead, Judith. Your thoughts. Yes, uh, Rita, congratulations on a smashing show. Uh, I have a comment on the guy's rat sheet. Sure, please. I think, I think when these gentlemen, I uh, shouldn't call them a gentleman, but I will. When they come before a judge and the judge is very aware of a long history of violent crime, 
Uh, I think what they do is they tend to isolate the case, the very case that is before them. And they kind of disregard all of the mitigating cases that play in. And this is why these people end up with no sentence or light sentence, and they're back out on the streets. And all you have, I mean, I read it in the paper every day here in Virginia. Anybody that commits violent crimes generally has a prior, yes, a prior case. You know, Judith, you take people that, that you, commit fraud. It's a once in a lifetime deal. You, you know, you bring up a great forever. point, Judith. By the way, you bring up a fabulous point because you're right. A lot of times the judges, they will just look at the case before them. But what they need to do is make sure that they look at all the priors. And, yeah, maybe if you look at one thing, you go, okay, and, and, and maybe if you think it's a first-time offense. But they would clearly have access to the other ones, even especially within the own state. You know, I mean, there were nine just in New York alone. In uh, New Jersey, there's three. It makes you wonder about some of these other states that he had ties to. How many more arrests maybe are out there that so far we don't know of yet? Um, But you're right. They need to look at the whole package and say, wait a minute, this guy clearly has a pattern. And if you spend five seconds on his social media, you say, this guy's nuts. We're going to continue with your calls about this and also talk about the border after the break, too, as well. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, which I love where we get to honor our great men and women in the military and, of course, also their terrific families. Tonight, we are spotlighting Tallahassee, Florida, where some of Tallahassee's finest were honored during Military Appreciation Night at Childs High School, and it happened last night. Now, a veteran, he's a Vietnam War combat veteran by the name of Gordon Lightfoot, not the singer, just a veteran with the same name, uh, said that the community there loves its veterans. Lightfoot threw out the first pitch of the game before the Timberwolves took on Columbia, All of the veterans were given recognition medals to wear around their necks, and the national anthem was also sung. Nobody was kneeling for that one, thank goodness. Also, organizers said that roughly 40 veterans attended. And the Timberwolves baseball boosters board member, Kristen Knapp, whose son also pitches for the team, said, Our veterans have done so much for our country. It's important that our young adults understand especially the sacrifices that are made. And what a beautiful way to honor these great military heroes and also to have their families around to see them being honored as well. And to all the Vietnam veterans, we love you guys. Welcome home. We love you so, so much. Well, we are talking, of course, about the great work that law enforcement did to finally bust this guy. And we're talking about the Brooklyn subway shooter. 
what's stunning, and we're just getting these details coming in again in the last little bit, that he actually called Crime Stoppers, the tipsters line, on himself and said calmly, hey, I understand that you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news. I'll be around at this McDonald's, and I want to clear things up. Law enforcement went there and soon afterwards found him near the McDonald's just kind of walking around. So, boy, this story is just getting wilder and crazier. Thank goodness this guy who has this horrible vitriol all over his social media, all these rants that he himself posted over the last few years, even up until recently, just a few days ago, he was posting on there saying some really horrible things. He is clearly a demented, disturbed man. And thank God he is behind bars. And thank God they were able to piece it together who this guy is, put his picture all over the place. And he felt like he needed to turn himself in and call in, which is just bizarre. Was he doing it? Was he trying to get cops there for some reason? I mean, we still don't really know what was the reason he was calling in. This is just wilder and wilder. But take a listen to some of the horrible rants that this guy was posting. This is his own voice talking about race wars and a lot more. We've been on this upward trajectory with this white man and everything, again, since we left out of slavery, has been improving. Technology, farming practices, uh, science, all kinds of things. Everything has been going up and up and up in terms of it, it pro- progressing, this progress. And we've been along for that ride. But again, the problem is the ride comes to a f-ing end. This trip comes to an end. And if we don't have our shit together for real, then we're going to, we're going to, we're going out of here. We're going out of here. Well, thank goodness the ride has come to an end for him. And thank goodness he has now been charged with federal charges uh, for terrorism on mass transit, a terror act that's essentially life behind bars. What do you make of this guy? It is it is just getting really wilder and weirder. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to David on line eight, who's in Los Angeles. Go ahead, David. Your thoughts. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Well, now it's turned into a fantastic, uh, interesting psychological study. I believe he is legally insane. In his mind, he didn't do anything wrong. Hey, man, the subways, it's filled with homeless people, and he was just out to try to fix the situation. And, gee, he's surprised that he's all over the news and the people, oh, I see that my picture's all over the place. Why don't you come pick me up? I want to clear it up. As though, gee, you'll understand. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was trying to help clear it up. What's, you know, he, he's thinking is not wrong in his mind. And all those posts on YouTube, you know, he's just trying to be like a prophet and inform people. You know, it's, it's, it's in his mind. You know, he's clearly out of his mind, possibly on PCP long-term damage. But, you know, it reminds me of Billy Bob and Sling Blade. You know, the outside world, it's too big. Yeah. So he'll just be. You know what, David? You brought up an interesting point about drugs, too, because we don't know his drug history. Um, these charges that I just mentioned before, the nine in New York and three in New Jersey, there may be others. But in those cases, there do not appear to be drug charges. I don't believe it looks like trespassing. One's a sex charge. Um, but I, I'm not seeing I don't believe that there are drug charges in here. Or if they are, they're not prevalent. Um, so that it's really. Yeah, there, there's. I wonder if he was on something. I mean, I mean, clearly he's a demented mind. Wow. It is getting wilder and wilder. I'll give you that, David. Thank you. Um, let's go to Stan on line one. Stan, your thoughts about this guy. This is a fascinating situation. It's 
absolutely crazy. But I have to say this, and it's somewhat going to be critical of the police. Uh, they fell into it. He gave them the information. They didn't find him. He found them in most of the – he drops everything, puts things down to be seen. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. Besides, And that's how they found him, except for the – thing in the in the train where you see him going through with this outfit on and if you noticed he had nothing that said con edison he had nothing that said dot he walked in asked the guy to put him through because he's fat he couldn't walk through the thing nobody questioned it i happen to think he reminds me i'm sorry to say of a dr moriarty from sherlock holmes who basically gave uh, tips to his the people that were go- going after him like sherlock it sounds crazy but he did. He dropped this. To well, he, yeah, uh, by he the way, did. Stan, and what? Stan, you know, I, I rarely agree with you, but it does. I mean, he clearly was teeing it up and saying, here it is. He does say that you you have my picture basically all over the news, according to this report. So, look, law enforcement did put the tips together prior to to get that picture out, to have his picture all over the place, because it was pretty quick where they said they connected the key that he left behind. And thank goodness the gun jammed. It wasn't like he, it doesn't. I, I don't know. Obviously, I'm just surmising, Stan, that he left behind the bag. Remember um, when it was suddenly that had more uh, canisters. It had magazines that hadn't been used with with bullets in it. I'm talking about gun magazines. Um, also other grenades. And the key was in there. And he may have left in a rush when suddenly the gun jammed. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I got to get out of here. Left that behind. They pieced the key together again to the U-Haul, figured out he rented the U-Haul and then found the U-Haul and then connected it. Obviously, he was the one who rented it, put it out. Um, So they did do some great police work. I don't want to totally dismiss. Obviously, they did some awesome work leading up to it to put his picture out all over the place. But you're right. It is interesting that he's actually calling and saying, come get me. And then when they came, he's just kind of walking around. I mean, that that this is it's getting more and bizarre, more and more bizarre. Stan, thank you. Uh, great to hear from you. Let's go to Michael in Pennsylvania on line eight. Michael, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Uh, the guy is obviously in that case because I don't know why they ever gave him the gun in the first place. He ever bought a gun. I thought he had uh, other things going on, misdemeanors and things in his life that were not good, but by, by the way, I mean, Michael, by the way, I looked into this just to answer that, and they did answer that in the press conference, that the charges were misdemeanors, just as you just said. Um, maybe they were originally felonies and pled down, because some of these look like they were would have been felonies, at least the sex charge and some of these others. But um, maybe they were pled down and they were technically misdemeanors, and only if there was a felony could he have not bought a gun at that time in Ohio. So, in other words, it was legally bought from a legal gun uh, seller, uh, a pawn shop there in 2011. And at that time, felt he had to have had a felony to prohibit it. So they could have done a search on him and didn't find a felony, and he was able to buy the gun. How did he make a living all this time? Yeah, we don't know yet. That's a great point. And you know the other thing I'm wondering, Michael? Where was he? We still don't know. You're, you're right. What was he doing? I haven't seen that yet. What What was he doing professionally? It sounds like he he said that he was, if you listen to this crazy social media, that he was in some um, place to help with some mental illness. He said, I was diagnosed with mental illness, but then when I got out of it, I got more angry and more virulent and more what, more more violent, rather, and more frustrated and more and more outraged that the, the program hurt him versus help him. 
Um, but what I don't know also, and I haven't seen this also, Michael, where was he the last 24 hours? Like, was he sleeping on the subway somewhere? Um, but there's supposed to be sweeps on the subway now for anybody homeless. And obviously his picture was all over the place. Um, we don't know where he was. Like, we know they have they they have the last, like, known sighting of him was at, like, 9.52, 9.15 yesterday, and it was near a subway station. And then the next thing they know, they arrest him uh, today, you know, and they bust him. It was around, like, 1.30-ish or something. So where was he between 9.52 yesterday morning and 1.20 today? Where did he spend all the time? Did someone help him? Was he, like you said, what, did he go to a workplace or did he go to some hotel or what was he doing? There are so many unanswered questions. Great question, Michael. Thank you. Let's go to BJ on line five. BJ, your thoughts about this? Uh, thank you for having me on, Rita. Rita, uh, you have a terrific show. Number one, I want to thank the NYPD. Uh, this is an example of what they can do. Uh, so rapidly if they're allowed to do their job. Absolutely. By the way, they are the best of the best. Absolutely. They are. Number two, very quickly, I want uh, the the doofus that runs the MTA. I think he he should retire. He's uh, uh, there's no excuse for those cameras not working. And number three, before we erect a uh, beautiful statue uh, in honor of Eric Adams, let's remember this is uh, another in a long line of catastrophes since he's been mayor. Okay, we that was a major hub that needed to be policed and it needed to be protected. When you pay 275 to hop in a train, it's a reasonable expectation you'll have a safe and clean ride. And that wasn't safe. The lives of those people that were shot have been ruined and the people have been traumatized and the people of this city who are just getting back to work, they've also been emotionally jarred and traumatized from this. So we need to look very, very, uh, uh, you know, we need to look at this and we really need to form a plan of action so it can never happen again. Thousand percent. BJ, thank you very much. And, and by the way, there's a report out tonight um, that's saying that those cameras not working, that there were a number of reports recently on those cameras in that area and it wasn't fixed. So it's like, I mean, what more? This is a perfect reason why you absolutely, and of all things on the subway where New York crime is up 68%, you know, transit crime in New York City. It's like, you know, they know that it is a hub, like you just said, a main hub. It's a location where there's so many problems. What the heck were they doing? It, it is crazy. And by the way, as we are talking about security, and you brought up a good point of officials need to stop talking and need to start doing. Well, I want to tell you what happened at the southern border because there are so many issues happening at our southern border now. And with Title 42 about to be lifted next month, that was basically the health provision that blocked people from coming into the country. And over the last two years, they blocked about 1.7 million migrants didn't come in. We saw a flood of migrants crossing the border. We saw many of them coming in that had criminal records, as we're just talking about crime and protecting our borders and making sure that bad people don't come in. Well, it's about to get a heck of a lot worse with Title 42 about to be lifted next month. So Texas Governor Greg Abbott came out and he said, well, what he's going to do now when migrants start crossing the border, even now he's going to put them on a bus and he's going to ship them to Washington, D.C., He's going to put them in front of the White House and in front of Capitol Hill. Well, just a few hours ago, he started shipping migrants to the nation's capital. 
and take a listen for the reasoning that Texas Governor Greg Abbott is doing that. I say bravo to him. Take a listen. The Biden administration and a lot of leaders in Congress have no idea about the chaos they have caused uh, by their open border policies. And they refuse to come down and, and see firsthand and talk to the people who are really most adversely affected. And if they're not going to come to the border, I'm going to take the border to them in Washington, D.C. So today, the first bus came from Texas and it landed pretty close to uh, right there in front of Capitol Hill. Uh, There were mostly men on it, also some women on it. They had to go voluntarily, by the way. But, you know, they probably said, hey, maybe do you have a relative in Washington or a friend you want to come? Texas paid for it. And he says this is the first of what he says will be hundreds of buses coming to Washington, D.C. What do you make of that? And are you happy to see that finally some of these border state governors are trying to send a message to Washington that this is outrageous? Well, this is Carl Rove. He is, of course, the former, basically, brain of then George W. Bush. Remember, they used to call him Bush's brain, Um, but his right-hand guy. And he says this is a brilliant move by Greg Abbott. Well, it's a demonstration of how desperate the situation is along the Texas border. Look, we're spending tens of millions of dollars of Texas revenue to provide National Guardsmen to fill the holes along the border that the Border Patrol says it doesn't have enough federal personnel to cover. So when is the federal government going to step up and uphold its responsibility? This thing's been called a stunt, but it is about the only way that we can sort of grab the attention of the the nation and of the federal government and say, meet your responsibilities to control the border. And I say, bravo. I think it's a brilliant idea. And DeSantis is saying that he's going to send them to Delaware, of course, the president's home state. I mean, this is amazing. People are now saying also, by the way, on the other side in Mexico, this is a Mexican official just a little bit ago telling U.S. officials, be ready, because guess what is already waiting in Mexico once Title 42 is lifted again at the end of March? He's saying that these huge caravans are already waiting because they are expecting to come in. And he said in Tijuana, there's about 2,500 people that are just waiting for the go-ahead. They're going to sit right at the border. So when March, you know, uh, May 23rd, when they lift it, come May 24th, crack of dawn, they're going to be right there at the border waiting to get in. Also, 1,500 in Mexicali, 100,000 in Chiapas. And he also says 2,000 in Honduras. That's a lot of caravans, guys, that could be coming this way. When we come back after the break, we're going to take your calls, everybody, on this. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show. Now, I used to work out of the Fox Bureau in Washington for many years when I covered the White House and Capitol Hill. And I used to see a lot of things right in that area. And today, literally right almost right across from where my old workplace was, was a bus pulling up from Texas. And they came through the night from Del Rio, Texas and arrived right there. At about 8 a.m., full of migrants, courtesy of Governor Greg Abbott, because he said he has had enough and that clearly the Biden administration has no respect for the U.S. borders. 
He says it is time that governors on these border states load up the buses and send them to Washington. Send them, bring the border basically to Democratic lawmakers, to Washington or also to Biden's home state. Take a listen. This is Governor Greg Abbott saying he feels that Biden is dereliction in his duty to protect America. The fact of the matter is the Biden administration has abandoned the immigration laws of America. And because of that, President Biden has fueled the flow of illegal immigration. And boy, it is expected to get a lot worse. The latest numbers, they are saying anywhere from seven to 8,000 are coming in. These are the ones that we know about, not the gotaways, which are usually the worst of the worst, because they're the ones who don't want to even deal with any sort of processing, not that they're processing even these ones. But they're expecting when Title 42, that health care provision that Trump put in place, is going to be lifted, that they are expecting that that number is going to more than double. And by the way, you know, this is at a time where right now you heard today that they're continuing the mask policy on planes in America. You also heard that a number of schools are going back to masking. And yet, for some reason, there's no concern about the coronavirus on our U.S.-Mexico border. At a time where we're worried about crime, look at what we've been talking about, what happened here in New York City in the last 24 hours with the subway shooting and the crime across the country in Seattle and California in Tennessee and Miami. I mean, there have been so many of these different cases of serious crime of late. And now he's going to say, come on in. This is crazy. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line two. Phil, your thoughts about this, my friend? Yeah, hi. Uh, look, uh, I think Abbott is kind of spotting around. He's not really doing the right thing. So I'm going to tell you something real quick. They, they they send those people on buses to D.C. I got news for you. D.C. is a planet all to itself. The police there are, are almost Gestapo-like. They're, I've been there. They're very bad. The point is what they're going to do is ring up all the not-for-profits and say, hey, can you pick up 30 people? Hey, can you pick up 50 people? They're going to, they're going to, sit, they're going to put them on, on buses and send them up here. The point is what he's doing, what Abbott did, is he saved the government a lot of money on airfares, okay, because he took the state budget and said, well, I'm going to portion that for 900 buses. He, Abbott is a failure in my book because he should have been proactive. He should have known for a fact eight. CFR 1325, that's the federal code, prohibits the influx of illegal immigrants, and also anyone who facilitates them is subject to federal penalties. The point being that he could have started a federal case six months ago, three months ago, and it would have been heard, and this whole immigration thing would have been done and over at the border. And by the, and by the way, Phil, I, I agree he should have taken action a lot sooner. I agree. I'm glad that he's at least trying to get some attention to the issue because it's a huge, serious issue. Um, but I agree he could have been a lot stronger. You know, you know what I also was hearing? That they're at the border, that migrants are going at the place of the wall where, like, you know, there's only a little bit of the wall standing because, of course, Biden didn't want anything to do with Trump. Uh, it was Trump's idea, and I thought it was a great idea. And if you listen to law enforcement, they think the border wall is a great idea, too. Um, but yet, OK, Biden put it on hold. And now they're posing at the wall on the American side, like laughing at us, which is it, it's it's sickening. It is so, so sickening. Phil, thank you. Great call. Let's go to Jacqueline on line seven. Jacqueline, your thoughts. 
Hi, Rita. Um, I think uh, actually Governor Abbott should go a few steps further with all of the future buses. The next bus should go to Delaware, to Joe Biden's home. I'm sure he has plenty of room to uh, welcome these people in. The second bus should go to Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco on her estate. I'm sure she has sufficient room to house maybe several hundred of these people. And just continue right along the line. Haha Harris, the hyena. Send one busload to her home and continue with everyone throughout the entire administration. Yeah, that's a great idea. Jacqueline, that is a great idea. And sadly, there's a lot of people that they need to send it to because for some reason, this Democratic Party is not waking up at what a huge security threat that is. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.